0: Have to keep going to another level, so I stand on the shoulders of my successes and my trophies, but I don't sleep in the trophy room. No, no. no, no. no sleep. What up, what up? My name is Lo San Antonio. Welcome back to No Sleeping in the Trophy Room Season 2 right here on Revolt TV, and I'm back with a very special guest. Your good brother none other than co-founder selection joe k so love. what's going on thanks for having me man thank you for taking the time yes, man. i sir. appreciate you yeah man it's been a long time and a uh, long time coming man appreciate you taking the time of course
1: man i know you i appreciate your persistence this guy right here has just been you know just very i always appreciate someone who's you know consistent with their communication but not over the top right you know there's times where i've been traveling and stuff and we've been trying to align this this moment and uh yeah, I always appreciate someone who's just not like spamming me or just pressing, you know, right. you know how that is sometimes. And, and so I appreciate you, man. I'm happy to be here. Sure. I just got back from from traveling. So, yeah, man, just adjusting and it's a good timing. Getting that rest,
0: mm-hmm. resetting, trying, trying, man. Dig it, man. Yeah. So so, Joe, there's so many places we could start, man. But I want to start, you know, where it, where it all started for you, man. And, um, you know, tell me about when's the first time you fell in love with music? You know, like what what was that moment? Was there a certain certain moment that you heard something that you were like, you know?
1: Yeah, I just remember there was this. I mean, ever since I was maybe four, three or four, when I can remember actually, like, you know, retract back to a to a, a actual memory as a as a child. Um, my parents just always had good music playing in the crib. No one was so much of a, a musician per se, but uh, my family always just had good tunes playing. My dad, my mom, my uncles. You know my mom would play anything from sade to um dmx to jay-z my dad had like erica badu cassette you know what I'm saying and just like just like classic stuff you know and back and back then you know i just turned 30 so in the early i was born in 89 in the early mid 90s that's when you know the golden era of hip-hop and r&b was out so just hearing that and being really young not really able to understand it but being at the you know here in cali being at the the barbecues or the pool parties with the family or family friends, and just seeing how people moved and reacted—it was like real life, you know. When you see the POC videos or see certain things, it's just a good time. So, just kind of growing up around that, and and just also being, um you know, when when radio was really crucial, like, I, and I had my cassette player and hitting record because the only time I can hear like my favorite songs is if I literally hit record on the tape deck, and I would just hear some songs that I wanted to hear because they would be in like a six to 12 hour rotation. So the only way I could hear it is if I taped it myself and then I would just play it back in my own time. So I don't know. I think that's probably when, you know, the the light struck and I kind of got this concept of doing what I'm doing, especially with the radio stuff. Um, but music's always been a part of me, you know, from when I used to play sports to um, in school or, you know, in high school, growing up as a teen and being, you know, going through our... Our, our moments of depression and just different things trying to figure your, your time out in life and what, your, what your, your motive is. That's kind of like all I really had. You know, I feel I always joke around, but music is the only thing that has never done me wrong. Like I always count on music and there's a song and there's a moment for everything, you know? So that's why it's like music is, music is really life for me, for sure. Um,
0: was, there a, was there a certain moment that you decided to take it seriously? Like, obviously, music was a, was a passion. Music is a passion. But um, was there a certain moment that um, enabled you to take music seriously? Like, this is actually a profession we can monetize off this?
1: Yeah, uh, probably when I graduated from, from high school, um, I was 17, it was 2007. And, you know, I knew I was going to go to college, so I knew I was going to be in, in the uni system. But I, I felt that while I'm pursuing, my degree as a backbone so my dad was always like very strict about that like you know always have different options and backups don't always put your eggs in one basket so you know and i just want to make my family proud you know he showed me at a young age that when or he was in his 30s mid 30s late 30s and got his his ba you know ended up getting his mba and while he was coaching me while he was helping raise me so seeing that i was like all right i got to kind of he was a, one of the he was the first one so I had to follow that and then I just knew that music was a passion but I' wouldn't, I wasn't sure where it would take me and I, I still was uncertain what I wanted to do but I did have like this this like impulsiveness to want to be on, on on air and, and showcase uh, new artists and music that I was finding. So when I graduated I was I started doing this podcast um, back then and um, I was still going to school and still grinding it out. But every day I would, it would, I would come home from school and it was dig, digging for music first before homework. Right. So that was, that was my rotation in my lifestyle. And I had to retake a lot of classes, honestly. Not because I, I wasn't smart enough, but just because I just wasn't getting my, my, you know, certain projects turned in on time or I wasn't studying enough for certain exams. So I was just barely, you know, hitting that C mark. And I don't, I don't like, promote that or I don't, like, um, want people to think that that's okay, but that's just how much music was life for me at the time. And that's what I knew I wanted to do and I would do whatever it took to to get to that point.
0: So where were you digging? Like were you, were there like certain record shops that you would go to or was it like records that, you know, you and your your friends had? Like where where would Joe K dig? You know,
1: a a little bit of both. You know, we're both at that age where uh, I mean, we some people like the younger cats might see us as like the older heads, but we grew up watching from the digital age. You know, we watch we watch from like when it was on terrestrial radio as a primary. When you had to used to watch MTV, you know what I'm saying, or BET to to see and hear the song, the visual for the first time, right? and Then we watched it go to like social media and like Limewire. You know, like you watched it go from from like myspace right myspace music limewire then it started progressing into facebook then you had like soundcloud and bandcamp and all these things and itunes was a thing but it wasn't like it is today with streaming so i've literally watched all that grow while watching on the dj side watching things go from from physicals you know and and cassettes to cds to and vinyl and from vinyl going into serato and going to the digital stuff and and everything becoming an MP3. And so I've watched all those things change. So I would say I was, when I started, when I decided I wanted to DJ, I was nine, I was about eight, around the same time, but I didn't buy my first decks, my turntables, until I was about 19, 20 years old, you know, so about just a little over 10 years ago. And so I was already, it was the digital age was already intact, you know, Serato. So I was, most of the files and music that I was into, was unreleased music or things that weren't pressed on vinyl or physicals. It was things that were like edits, remixes, um, just beats. Like if you dropped, if, if, if you were making some fire beats and you dropped something yesterday, I mean, it's it's really unlikely that you're gonna press it on vinyl. One, is super expensive. And two, I get it on the spot. So it was just easier for me to spin those things on, on the fly. I would get something. Sometimes I would find, you know, like 20 releases in one day and and I would just go through it put those tracks together 80 to 100 tracks and make a two three hour mix that same night you know two three in the morning so it just depends and and just having that that quick turnaround time was to me was what it was about just taking something being impulsive and then showcasing it to to the world and that first year it was like I think I had like 30,000 subscribers from that podcast you know and this was pre- Instagram, pre everything, you know, it was just like MySpace bulletins, blogs. I used to use blogs a lot back when they were relevant, and that's how I was just finding MySpace music. That's so dope, man. Yeah.
0: Um, tell me about this date right here, uh, January twenty-fourth,
1: two thousand eleven. <laughs> yeah, that that was the spawn. That was the the first date of Selection Radio, um, and the launch of Selection as a platform slash you know, record label, collector, that was the first day. So that was um, the first week of, of, of the semester over at Long Beach State for me. I had transferred from community college and me and my partner at the time uh, who created the logo, him and I had been working on the concept of selection for a couple years. So it was, it's been around almost going on nine years, but in reality, um, the concept has been around for 10 or 11. And I've been doing this for 13 years, so the first three or four years was laying down the foundation of the networking of and building that, those relationships with the producers, the artists from all over the world. So when it came down for Selection to Launch, I already had those relationships. So I was like, yo, I'm finally starting something proper, leaving the podcast behind, but taking some of that foundation, and we started something new. And so I knew that in order for me to have my own radio show, I had to... Um, at least on the university station, because no one on terrestrial radio um, believed in me or, or knew who I was yet. So I had to create my own identity. So I used a podcast, and then when I started that, when, once I got to orientation week, I spoke to the, the, the GM and the PD over at the, at the university station. It was K-Beach at the time. And I just told them who I am, what I do, send them a few links, and like, they put me on air the first day. So that day, January 24, 2011, was the first day of show number one, we're now on like show for four thirty two as of as of this time four thirty plus. And um, now it's on beats one and it's just been a crazy, you know, slow progression over over the past eight, eight, nine years. But that was the point where we dropped that and then we dropped the compilation that day. And from that point on, man, we just never we just kept it moving.
0: So what was like the mindset of of Joe K at that time, K Beach? You know, like what was that, you know, what was uh what was the strategy, what
1: was the thinking? I was just young, hungry. Uh, I still felt like a lot of people didn't uh, understand me, and you know, mind you, if I was doing a live show like, right, like at the time, I don't know. I was I was probably at getting like somewhere between like 70 to a couple hundred listeners like early on, and then every week I just would upload it to Mixcloud at the time, um, and so again I was just figuring out platforms where I can upload because I'm really big on on-demand and playback. Because, you know, the reality is that not everybody could, could, could listen live, you know what I'm saying? It's like, if I say, hey, I'm going live right now, I mean, people are, we live in a world where people just got their own agendas and stuff you know, and are busy. So having something where people can listen back to and find the track list, the track list is always essential to me, to be able to uh, educate and inform people where they could find, one, the artist, whether it was unreleased or not, they could find more music. So the mindset was just always to inform and to contribute back, to give back to these artists who were making like crazy, you know, amazing music, but they just needed a platform for people. And even though I wasn't that big at the time and no one really knew who I was, I just felt I had the passion and the and the consistency that within a year or two, you know, it turned from a couple hundred people to a couple thousand. And then every year, you know, once certain platforms like Instagram and SoundCloud really started to take off those things starting to become really you know exponential So yeah, I was just hungry man. I was going to shows and just networking man
0: just, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure like all the producers and other DJs that you were You know essentially just putting on on your show their gratitude had to have been you know through the roof for everything that you were doing Yeah, you know
1: yeah now they were but you know I, I think when I was younger my communication skills weren't as as like poised as they are now and I was, and I, and you know, I probably came off a little like aggressive or like really like, um, just really excited, really passionate. So like, if you made beats, for example, and I just happened to hear it on, on, the, on a mix or you released something, but it wasn't out, I would email you on site or I would message you and be like, yo, I'm doing a mix of what I do. Can I get that? And sometimes I rub people the wrong way, but um, you know, I learned to how to communicate eventually. So I was probably initially like, they didn't know who I was. And I was like the annoying young kid, like always trying to find the the music. But it, it wasn't really about me. You know, maybe they for saying, oh, he's just trying to come up off my music. Like, this is my music, I'm I'm gonna play it. No one else can play this shit. But I was really just passionate. Like this shit is so dope that I just want more people to hear it. Like more people need to know about this music and what can I do to help. But sometimes it didn't always come off like that. So. You know, I look back, and I'm sure, i sure I came off a little strong, but now, um, I don't really got to say much. I feel like I got the the resume and the track record, and now I'm just playing music that I love still, and still I prefer to put someone on that's like unknown.
0: Because in, in, in essence, it's it's a selfless act. You're, yeah. You're, you know, you're you're putting people onto your platform, and you know, you're sharing their music with the world. You yeah. Know? So it's like, that, that's extremely selfless. Man. Yes, sir. That's dope. So, so talk to me about. Um, some of the uphill battles of being like a one-man army in the beginning, you know, when you're, you know, you're thinking about quality control, how people are perceiving your product, how people are seeing it, uh, what it's sounding like, you know, in the beginning, you know, were you very hands-on? How was that? What was that thinking like when when it came to quality control?
1: Yeah, the qu- the quality control and the the. Just being very selective—that's kind of where the concept of selection comes from. It's like two words in one, but it's you know everything is is hand curated, and that term could be used you know a bit loosely. But being able to—I think—the foundation and, and the the trust that the people give to selection and 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 put on us is like comes from the everything being hands-on and everything every every show we do like if it's a live show. Um, every artist that we showcase that we've released music with every single song every piece of merch every post we do on on the socials man like everything is is handpicked right you know and 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 you just can't really explain it but it just feels right and but you know we really believe that you know quality over quantity so I think that's been a big thing because you know you can fire off a bunch of things and hope that certain things are just hitting people over the head and landing and connecting with someone and that that works but for us i feel like by being selective about what we do that's really um separated us and helped us you know people know like when we speak up or we say something it's like okay they're speaking because they have a purpose they're not just using their platform into a point where we lose the trust because the the quantity or the quality of the of the content goes down so i've always been just really hands-on because I just, I mean, first of all, no one's gonna do things the way you, you would do them, you know what I'm saying? And especially if you're the visionary in the face or the, 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 the mind behind something, sometimes no matter who you bring in, uh, you know, there's just some people who can't execute the way you do. Some people know how to assist. You know, it's just about finding people's roles, but I'm just very hands-on and I take pride and I just want to make sure it's done right even if I got to spend more time on it sometimes. So yeah, early on, I mean, I was doing the counting for selection and I was no business major, but I had to do what I had to do. I'd be in class at Long Beach State doing like, you know, at the time we were using Bandcamp. So it was like, uh, what was it? Um, It was like a donation thing. So it was like name your price. You didn't have to, you could download it for free. The, 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 the release of the EP, the single whatever the compilations that we're putting out they were free but some people wanted to donate so whatever made whatever we made bread on like whoever was part of those projects I would just you know I would sum it up you know month to month and and, and try to break down like a percentage off what we we agreed to it was fair but I would be in class yeah doing that you know or they would send me they would send me their 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 demos and then I would go through and and pick the songs and which ones I found. I would talk, to hey, these are the ones I feel, this is why, I know you like this one. So I was really collaborative and hands on. And then as we started to grow and I started getting busier, um, delegating became a thing and I had to learn how to step back and how to allow other people to help me because it became a point where it started becoming too big and stressful for me to just do by myself. So building a team was like the next step, but that came along like two, three years and it came naturally people came to me uh because they were so enthusiastic and inspired by what what we had created that um they wanted to figure out how to be part so you know i started like letting certain people in if i vibe with them and felt they had something to offer
0: yeah so how important just on the topic of of team you know how important is teamwork to selection you know Um, what i mean like i know you guys i know you have um you know, we have a
1: handful of people here. It's a small team. Creatives. It's a, you know, let it's, it's a small team in terms of the back end on the admin side. Um, there's there's maybe like seven of us in total. And you know, there's been people who've been around in the beginning of time and who are here no longer and much love to them and 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 I've I've literally not just on the music side, but I've watched like photographers, I've watched people behind the scenes, uh, all sorts of different people, creatives and and, and great minds come into selection and now have great roles and positions for other companies or their own or other places so I'm really happy to watch people grow um, as people as individuals and you know it's almost like selection was college selection was university for people and we're still learning as I like to say it's always been my internship but teamwork man is so important like we're constantly on group text messages with everybody and on conference calls all day and just using different platforms and emails and we're just always exchanging ideas and things and and delegating i think like i said it's really important to embrace other people and to allow them to come in and not like micromanage everybody so again that's when when you're the only one you're running your business that's something that that's a that's a skill and that's an asset that you have to kind of gain because if you become too too hands-on to where you don't allow people that you you're "Quote unquote," allowing them to to do their job, but you're not allowing them to do it, and then you're gonna have problems. You know what I'm saying? And people aren't gonna be happy, and then you're just gonna be stuck on your, you know, on your own at the end. So, you know, I understood that at a at a certain point, so I took a step back.
0: So, Joe, I read that um that you said in, in the beginning, selection did a lot of business off of handshakes, mm-hmm. and then you had to restructure to take your whole operation to the next level. Yeah, you know, that, that's a great opportunity that a lot of people wouldn't necessarily recognize when it is time to restructure and take your whole operation to the next level. Mm-hmm. So just uh, give me a riff on what, you know, what the thinking is there and how do you recognize an opportunity when it's time to, you know, kind of level up?
1: Yeah, you know, a lot of the, the early, you know, releases we did and things that pertained, you know, that were monetized. Um, they were off of handshakes. But, and a lot of that just had to do with you know, just being new to the game and, and not having, like, a true foundation or not having, like, a, a general manager or, like, a business manager and things like that, uh, someone that, that had experience, because we, we had to learn this on our own. So um, a lot of the great thing is that the relationship, the music, and the connection was there just genuinely already. But just, I don't, I don't care, you know, at this point who it is, um, family or not, I think it's just always... The right thing to do is to is to um, establish just like what terms are and, and and what people are making on both sides because you know I feel like people when you, they have their incentive and they know their value and they know what what they're getting in return for their work um, everybody's happy everyone's excited or even if you got to negotiate and meet in the middle it's just important to have everything because you know when 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 money comes in or when things change. People either forget what the terms were, or what was what was like, uh, you know, communicated in the beginning. Our mindsets early on, compared to three to six months to a year later, changed. So, so what what we were thinking was cool then, they may be like, nah, I'm in a different place, or I see the numbers now. I see I see whatever the traction is, so I actually want more. And, and then it just gets weird, and you know, you hate to lose somebody, you know, whether it's personal or just business over over numbers, you know what I'm saying? It's never, it, it is deep because that's that's what, you know, keeps keeps the bills paid, the lights on, and feeds our families, so it is important. I'm not gonna downplay it, but I'm saying it sucks when when situations like that, when a business thing gets in the way of, of, a, of a great relationship. So, yeah, man, we recognized that early and we just wanted to go back and it's just important to have your numbers right, to have your, your, your paperwork right, um, I just think if you want to be successful, have longevity, and not just in music, in any field, any business, you know, you want to make sure your taxes are paid and all that. So those are things that I had to learn and my team had to learn along the way, but it's so important. And I think, and yeah, and the thing is it can slow down the process. You know, if you just hear the music and you want to get it out that night, you can do it, but sometimes you got to wait because you want to make sure that you know, the terms are, are, are on point and that everybody's happy. So that's just been something that we know, it's just step number one to everything we do. Once we find somebody we want to work with or vice versa, um, we get to the creative side, but the the foundation of the business is so important.
0: Right. And I think that's like a that's like a sign of, you know, of success, man, when you have to uh, have to really level up the process because things are growing, things are going good and, you know, you have to assess what you need to elevate to that next level man yep. so I think that's 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 an opportunity that people should definitely kind of just look for you know in to your point in, in any business yeah you know um, so I want to touch upon a milestone um, describe that moment when you got the call for Coachella um, oh, I yeah. really want I really from afar I felt like I was on the sideline but when I when I saw you post that I I, I, <laughs> was, I was so
1: happy for you bro for real man I, uh, it was, I appreciate it, man. Super, that man that super, was a big super, that was a great yeah. moment uh, Especially because a lot of people don't know, but back in 2012, 2013, we actually started uh, in the campgrounds at Coachella. Like we had got, you know, a call to to program some like campground um, activations. Wow. And do the and do the music. So to go from that, and it took about seven, six to seven years to get to the to one of the stages out. You know, during a, a pretty good slot. That was that was a great story, man, and that was something that we'll never forget. But yeah, uh, the way Coachella works is they usually book a good like ten months out from from the festival. Mm-hmm. So we had already been contacted about it um, uh, in July of 2018, right? So we had already known for some time, even though the lineup doesn't get announced uh, till till I think January of, of the beginning of the year. So yeah, we had to we had to like keep that in, keep intact, it tight. keeping it keep it tight. But it was it was a great feeling. I remember I was actually in Australia at the time. Mm. Um, I was touring, so when or I was in Australia when we did the when we announced when the lineup got dropped, and it was just a special moment, man. I mean, like I said, just to think back to every single thing that we've been through and that we've accomplished, and and to just think that majority of Coachella's lineups are mostly artist driven so it's there's not too much room for for like djs and and producers unless you're like really big you know like you're you're a producer that has like a lot of you know big hits or collaborations with other vocalists and stuff and there's not that many it's mostly artists so it was great to to be a part of that alumni and to be part of this past year and it was dope because i ended up doing some uh you know some interview work for Coachella on on the live stream so I was able to get some experience with that and step aside it was stressful because I was literally having to interview a few big artists before our set so it's like I was getting I had to mentally prepare for two different uh sides you know to as you know being a presenter or having an interview you're on you're on live live stream you want to be prepared and and your energy and it's a big platform so it was a bit anxious and a, and a bit nerve-wracking but to just to get that experience and to do that and say that i did it and also play at the same time and i'll never forget that it was dope it was a great opportunity and um you know there's a lot of because it's only a two-hour drive from from la there was a lot of people from you know from from the city that came out for us and Pulled up to our stage, so it was dope, man. It was great to share that.
0: Man, it must have been so exciting for you and the whole team,
1: bro. Yeah, our family. Yeah, it was great, man. It just showed us, like, damn, we can. Anything is possible to be on here with all these big names and part of the lineup. Word.
0: Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so, Joe, this is no sleeping in the trophy room, you know. this uh, you know, this <laughs> That's whole real. Th- this whole <laughs> platform is all about. it's a great name, by the way. Thank you so much. Yeah. You know, um, uh, it's all about motivation information and sharing that with those who are seeking it you know so um so what are some power plays that you would give to somebody who's you know who's looking to start a movement um and, and really kind of share it with the masses man like what's something that somebody
1: who's aspiring
0: to do something like you're doing or you know or do it even bigger like you know what, what's some power plays that you could share with somebody
1: Power players that I can think of off time I and mean, there's so many, man. I mean, I'm still learning literally to this day, this moment. Right. I don't have all the answers, but I will start off by saying that there's literally no right formula. There's no like, you know, end all be all formula or style. You you know, you got to get it how you get it, and and so for what works for me may not work for somebody else, especially my story because I came up different. The timing of when selection came up as well, and myself it was a different era. The way I came up and the things that I did to get to this point, you know, I don't even know if they would even work in this present time. So that kind of makes things interesting, right? Because we live in a, in a moment, in, a, in an era where things are so disposable and, and accessible at the same time. You know, anyone could be a, uh, anyone could make music and upload it the same day. To, to all streaming services. Anyone could create a, a business account on, on socials and Instagram and post whatever. You know what I'm saying? Any, anybody can literally come up at any moment. And you have, you know, people, anyone can DJ, anyone can make beats, anyone could do anything. The resources are there. The resources are there. But because of that, on the flip side, what you have is just like a, a lot of oversaturation. So now it's like harder to filter through all the upcoming and new things that are coming out unless you have somebody that you trust that are presenting that to you and and that's actually connecting with you on it because now it's just, it's like, you know, you scroll down your feed on whatever it is and literally in seconds you're already, you're getting hit from different things, personal, creative, media. Right. And And within seconds, you already forgot what you just double tapped on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you got to do a lot now to stand out. Whereas for for me, when I was coming up, there wasn't many people at all doing the types of music and the types of things and the the style, the way we were presenting ourselves. And so now we kind of like set the foundation, I feel, for a lot of people. And now I see a lot of like, you know, uh, indie digital type of labels and people like in the same um, style of sound and, and concept of what we do, collectives and crews and and people who came up out of SoundCloud and things like that. that's where we come from. And I see a lot of people, even though SoundCloud and, and some of these platforms that we came up with aren't as dominant as they once were when we were coming up. Um, I've been been able to travel the world, and I these people that that we've inspired, that I've inspired, come to the shows, come up to me and share their story. Or, share a link or tell me like, yo, this is my crew. They introduced me to the people. And they, they remind me of me when I was at that point and I was their age and, and younger. So it, it's, it's really crazy and, and inspiring to see like this is what we built and this is worldwide. So pretty much where I'm going in terms of the, the power plays and, and, the, and some just some, some foundation is just like, you know, again, the formula is always different. Um, uh, having consistency having um your own lane like you can be inspired by somebody or by a crew or by a platform or uh, something something that inspires you but there's a difference from being inspired by some by something or somebody and there's another thing to replicate it and copy it right once you start copying something it's like it's already been done and you can never really out outrun or outdo the originators who are still going strong with it because they're always going to be they're the, they're the originators of it and they're always going to come correct with what's next. They already have, they're already, you know, three three months to a year, a couple of years ahead of the next ideas while you're just trying to emulate what's being done. So it's important to, like, take those inspirations, but create your own lane and do your own thing. There's nothing wrong with being inspired, but create your own and just try to do something a little different. Something I always tell. Um, build a strong team of people you trust. Uh, sometimes be careful of letting, you know, uh, friends or su- certain close ones in because if business or things don't go right unless you have a strong foundation in your relationship business or personal or family it can ruin your your relationships with certain people so just know you know always be wise about who you bring in um, pay your taxes for sure I always like to say put for every um whether it's personal or on a business level I always try to put 20 to 30 percent of of those things that as a freelancer or as a as a creative your own independent business, putting twenty to thirty percent away from every payout, everything, puts you in good standing and trying to make those quarterly payments so you don't at the end of the at the end of the year, you're not over here paying, uh, you're you're not working in the following year for for taxes and business that you didn't account for for the year or the past year, you know, right. the, two, the past two years. That kinda that's frustrating when you feel like you're drowning. Uh, financially because you didn't take care of shop and yeah you might have that money in front of you but like just be smart with it you know what I'm saying and and, and try to get the right people the right minds around you and just try to follow what feels right because as you grow um, you know there might be certain people that come in your ear and trying to steer you and direct you in the right ways and I'm just a big believer of Following like your gut, your intuition, you know, just doing what feels right. You might not have the an answer, but just having that that right foundation of teammates and, and just that foundation, I think is super vital, man, to like having longevity. And last but not least, I'll just say that um not getting too caught up in like social media and comparing to other people because everybody has their own um, speed, their own timing. So, you know, like even for me, people see me like they may have barely found out about me Recently, or a year or two ago, and they'd be like, Oh man, I want to be like him. And like, I they, they've only maybe followed the story for so long, but they may have skipped or missed certain parts of this. They didn't know yeah. that I've been that the struggles that I went through coming into that, or that I've been doing this 13 years, not two years or five years. So, people social media can kind of create these like shortcuts for people. It's not their fault, but people just see these success stories and they want to shortcut to it. And it creates this fast, um, this this like uh, obsessed obsession with wanting to compare themselves, and they get depressed or start getting in, the, in their feelings if they ain't hitting a certain plateau like the people that are inspiring them. And it just creates this whole mental mental breakdown thing, and it, and it sucks to see people go through that. So again, it's just accepting that everybody has their own timing. And just to like, you know, like, when I look at Anderson Pack, or even looking at it recently uh, the homie uh, um, D Smoke, you know, who just run the, what is it, the, the Rhythm and Flow right. competition. He's like 32, 30, he's like 33, he's in his 30s, mm-hmm. and he's a professor at UCLA speaking Spanish, you know, as an African American out of Inglewood, and to the fact that he is literally, boy went up like 500k, Followers on Instagram and literally like a couple couple days went viral That's good and it's and it's like crazy It's amazing to see that now. He's inspiring so many people and I think the stories like that are like again like Anderson pack to see him in his 30s You know he got his break and signed up to dr. Dre I remember him when we were playing shows together and he was drumming for other artists other bands You know as the drummer not even him as an artist and to see him just keep grinding it out and see where he's at now now selling out madison square garden and, and and just it's crazy man so again everybody has their own time and it's never too late to to follow your passion and like do what you love do it for yourself first
0: yeah and i mean you definitely definitely can't skip those steps man nah. you skip those steps you might miss a lesson don't, don't sleep in the
1: trophy room man like you know you know what i'm saying so yeah man work harder than your situation as i like to say no excuses over here that's dope yeah
0: um so i got put on to to selection around episode 178
1: dang oh you remember <laughs> 178 man was there a guest on that one i gotta look back i've had um, so many man i feel or was like was it like a solo show was it one of those ones you just like play I, I believe it was a solo show that seemed like one of those three hour sessions too because i've gone from three hours or two hours or three back to two those were the man. Those were the grinding days. I'll tell you that, bro. Sleeping on the floor to finish those shows. I was spending all day to get those shows done, like that, and executed, uploaded, losing sleep, stressed out, not eating. And I think that's why it's funny to think back to those times because it's crazy from then to now, you know. But it, it paid off, right? You know, those are things that a lot of people don't know. Yeah, those stressful times, you know.
0: And that's 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 so. The contrast is so, is so dope. I mean, you're telling me you were like losing sleep, you know, to put this to put this episode out. And I'm on the other end of the, <laughs> the, the speaker. And you know, at that point in time, it's crazy. Cause I was, bro, I was like, I had like just lost my job. I just broke up with my girl at the time. And I was kind of fucked up in the game. Actually, I was spending like a month in Puerto Rico. I was just like, yo, let me get out of here. Amazing. I was, I was in Puerto Rico for a month. And you know, that's why I found so lecture, man. And to your point earlier, like, you know music was music is healing you know and, and that's what actually did for me at the time just musically man it was like it was like therapy so so fast forward you know now you're at episode 430 433
1: yeah for 430 and counting so
0: you know how has how has things changed man from from then to now like as far as you know how you approach the shows you know like um formats you know like certain certain vibes you go for like
1: you know, I, I still do the show every single week since the beginning of time. Even if I'm traveling, I still find a way to get those shows done every week. Because at this point, it's bigger than me and it's more of a community service to the world. It's, it's my, my community service, you know. There's people out there. I've met people, man, that like, I'll never forget. I remember I was in Montreal, I was doing, uh, my, I was doing the Selection Radio Tour, the first one ever. I was in Montreal and I had this, um, this woman uh, older woman who because like the, the show really connects with people all over all different age brackets And I really appreciate that and a lot of that comes down to the type of music I play because a lot of it's for like grown grown listeners, too You know, it's not just about what's new and what's what's like relevant So there was this woman her and her son uh, would listen to the show But she she had cancer and when she was going through chemo um, They would and he was actually he's actually a doctor. They would listen to the show together And that was their bonding time every Sunday. They would listen to the playback. So when she shared that story with me, and I actually got to meet her in person, and she you know read a crazy sold-out show, and people were turning up, and she I just made sure she had a good seat in the back in the backstage, and she was able to to just peep and just watch like this come to life. Those stories are crazy. Hearing like another, I I was in Dubai, and this guy shared a story how he had a fear of flying, and the first flight he ever took was to go see me play in Dubai. And and to, again, just to hear those, man, I'm like, and I can't I can't stop, because trust me, man, there's been times where I have wanted to give all this shit up, I wanted to quit. Um, not because I'm a quitter, but just because, like, I just have other things that I want to do, and it gets exhausting, and it's demanding, and it's hard to get certain things, because the radio show literally is the center of my weekly life. I literally base my whole schedule around the show. I gotta stop everything I'm doing. I gotta continuously dig. If I have a guest, I gotta stop. It's just a lot. It's a lot of work for those two hours. And so, you know, um, making those sacrifices and doing those things. There was times where I wanted to give it up, but I think about these people. And I think about how, how many artists I've I've helped share and put people onto, to where they've gone to their shows, they buy their merch, they support them and spread the, spread the word to their people. And it just goes, you know, it, it just becomes a community thing. Those are those are just stories that I think about that I'm like, man, this is bigger than me. You know what I'm saying? And, and it got to a point too where eventually I was broke as hell doing it and then it started to put food on the table for me. So that's another thing that I can't give up too is that it provides for me and my family and um, you know I'm able to give back at the same time. So just to think where I'm at now, I mean, I'm, the, the format and the energy is still there. I'm still digging as hard as I could. I'm still bringing on artists that are still unknown or not not as like popular people may not even still know of and I really really take a lot of pride in doing that because that's the foundation of what we do and I never want to get away from those roots and I think the lights for selection will always be on as long as we keep putting people on to new music because artists come and go people come and go but people looking for new music artist discovery will never get old
0: so Joe during your travels I see you're picking up the camera Um, you know what, what role does photography and videography play um, when you're moving on you know when you're globe trotting you're moving around
1: yeah it's super important just because of the fact that i just like documenting things and uh at first it really came because when we were on tour and we were traveling we didn't have we couldn't afford to have like a like a you know a videographer or a or photographer or shooter so because of the the fees weren't enough and everything we couldn't we couldn't do that one of us had to do it and i've always just been into to visuals and and just Capturing taking photos. At first it started on my iPhone and and then it got to a point to where I just felt like Okay, the quality needs to step up. So then I just remember buying my first like camera Started just hitting record on it taking photos and turning that around having those wall clips And just because I just always thought about too like if we ever did a, a documentary one day you never know where that footage can come into fruition so these are just all things that where it stems from, and then I just started to build a love for it. Started shooting on film, felt like doing film photography. Yeah, it's just more of it's just another outlet. Um, also for like the radio shows, the you know the, the artwork of every episode is always like a different image, a different photo. Some are from our travels, some are from other people that we meet or or find online. So the visual, like the visual representation for selection. Uh, is so important and even for myself personally and all the stuff I do is like before they could even hear the music or things they might just see that cover the album cover that artwork the design to a show the flyer and if the if the visual is captivating then you know it 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 kind of brings people in oh what is this this looks dope and then they hit they click on the link and then the rest is history so it's really important to kind of you know captivate that. So yeah, the visuals and, and the photography, the, the videos, all that stuff, the animations, all go hand-in-hand hand with what we do. Again, it goes back to the curation side and, and just like making sure the visual and, and audio go hand-in-hand. Hand. Dope,
0: dope, man. I, I follow your man. Joe K. Travels. Yeah, man, you know? um, yeah. It, but what do you shoot on
1: right now? Uh, right now, um, I shoot on, I have like four or five different cameras, but my main two shooters, um, I have a contact C3, it's a Japanese camera, both of them actually, and then I have a digital camera, uh, a, Fu- a Fuji X100F, um, that one's pretty good. I just, I like point and shoot cameras. But I have a, I have like a Sony A7 series camera. Um, but my thing is I travel so much, and I just like being light. I like yeah. things I can put in my little bag and just pop out and just be quick with it. Cause once you start carrying around the big joint, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm at a point too where like we have, now we have our, our shooters touring with us now. So I kind of leave the bigger things up to them. And it just, I like shooting B-roll and just more Things, street photography that's my thats my thing I love capturing raw moments or I'm always around a lot of great artists and cool people and behind the scenes stuff so I like capturing and documenting the BTS the behind the scenes side of things because it's just it's more personal and it's more of an understanding for like the process so yeah I like to I like to just do that be the one behind the camera
0: that's dope man yeah. um so you know every champion has their mantra right that that thing that they uh that they move to, or that you know, that phrase that's on the wall that they slap before they leave the locker room. You know, um, what's your what's your champion's mantra, man? You know, what's your, what's that that beat you move to, or that that phrase of reminder, or something that you live by that you know that just reminds you why you do what you do every day.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I literally I mentioned it earlier, but um, just the phrase of like work harder than your situation, such a like basic or could be perceived as a cliche thing, but to me. It's like, we all got, everyone has problems, everyone has something that's an obstacle in their life, but at some point, like, what are you gonna do? Like, keep using that as an excuse, you know what I'm saying? Don't get me wrong, some of these things are legit, physical, or mental factors, so it's continuing on with whatever it is, and I'm not trying to downplay that, but at the end of the day, you, at some point, if you really wanna do whatever it is that you're trying to do in life, or, you know, you know obtain certain goals, then you gotta work harder than your situation, so whatever it is, personal, um, physical, whatever, um, you got to just figure it out and, and go harder. So, and you know that's why, to me, I always try to use sports as a as a way to connect with things because I'm like, you know, I love I love basketball and being from LA, you know, growing up to to Lakers and Kobe and, and during that era. So like the Mamba mentality is something I always really, you know, thrive for. Like watching him, you know, play through injuries and you know tear tear fucking his what is it, his uh, his AC. What did what he tear? He tore his um. His Achilles, you know what I'm saying? KD just tore his Achilles, but it's like my man, you know, Kobe still shot free throws, didn't get carried off, walked off the court like a G. And I love the fact that he was in the gym 4 or 5 a.m., shooting, working out, and then coming back later on, you know, and working out again and, and perfecting, shooting thousand shots, thousand free throws. You know, that's the kind of mentality and work ethic that I try to carry on. So, that whole like, you know, working harder than your situation and how bad do you want it? How bad do you want to separate yourself from everybody? Those are the things. We all have, you know, 24 hours in a day. Everyone might be in a different time zone, but it's like, what do you, it's not about how much time you spend on something, more about how much, what did you do in that time that counts? You know what I'm saying? You could spend, you know, 15 hours in a day on something, but you might have been on Instagram or been shooting the shit. For, for half the time, or all, you know, 80% of the time, but someone might have spent only five, six hours, but executed and got it done. You know what I'm saying? So it's really about how you use your time, your time management. So those are just all all these things that I I've picked up and I try to really thrive on. You know what I'm saying? Waking up early, getting my routine done, working out, eating, cooking, all that stuff, having all my shit laid out, and then just getting to work and just going going beast mode on it. So those are all the things that are part of the foundation. So
0: work harder than your situation. Yes. Work harder than your situation. Joe, man, I want to thank you so much for taking yeah, the time. Thank you. Appreciate Ste- it. Stepping into the trophy room, man. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. Sure. And uh, again, man, I'm super inspired by everything you and your crew are doing. And um, I look forward, you know, to the next one, man.
1: Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I'm glad we did this, bro. Thank you. My thank you. Appreciate dude. you, man.
0: Lot. You always have to keep going to another level. So I stand on the shoulders of my successes and my trophies, but I don't sleep in the trophy. No, 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 sleep.